Hello, guys, and welcome to the 48th edition of the Next One Podcast. I'm Ron Colling, along with Brendan Smith, and we procrastinated, we delayed recording this until the end of the Celtics game, and boy, am I pissed off. But, Smitty, how are you doing before uh, we get going about how pissed off we are? Pissed off is the best way to describe it. Uh, Celtics, they played great at times, didn't play too great at other times. I thought it was a game they still had, and it's... uh. It's obviously tough to come up that short, but um, let's see if they come out strong in game seven and finish the series off. So I'm going to preface my take with this, that having Marcus Smart on our team doesn't allow us to be as upset with flopping and everything because Mark Smart is one of the best floppers in the NBA. But everything about Kyle Lowry pisses me off from just him, like yelling at Nick Nurse when they called the second point five seconds left, like that was the right call. Why you, so upset about it i kind of get it because he wanted to pass it in but like he made it such a big deal when it's not he flops just about every time like he's looking for a call every time he's always like whenever they pan to him he's always complaining to a rougher complaining about something it's never him doing some goods him complaining non-stop and it that's the difference between mark smart and kyle lowry mark smart isn't complaining about anything mark smart's flopping but kyle Lowry complains about everything and Obviously, Celtics fan conspiracy theory, everyone's going to say it, but the NBA just wanted a game seven. Like, some of those calls are r- ridiculous. Kemba Walker could not buy a foul. And guys like Powell, I'll give OG Anunoby credit that he's just been clutch as hell, like, this whole playoff series. But, like, there was a series where Mark- Kemba Walker got fouled, like, twice going down. And then Powell gets fouled. He Powell gets the calls when Mark Smart and him were on a fast break. Mark Smart just gets in front of him. He gets the easy foul call, which is BS. Kemba doesn't get it. And I forgot the other one, but it's just the level of play call. Like they're not staying consistent with it, and it is frustrating. But at the same time, I do believe the Celtics, just with their youth, I think Kyle Lowry playing over 50 minutes, he's – not old, but he's like 32, 33. I think the Celtics' young legs will prevail in game seven, even though, not to keep rambling, I'll let you uh, talk to me finally, but we got besides uh, Jason Tatum making that last dagger three, making it a one-point game, giving them a chance, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown sucked in overtime. And Kevin Walker, too, but not as much as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like Jalen Brown, it felt like every time he drove to the basket, got picked. Jason Tatum looked like he needed glasses. I tweeted multiple times. He literally airballed every single shot into the last one. And, like, I want to bring up this last point. Then I'll let you talk to me. I'm sorry. I just have a lot rambling my mind. But Okay, I'm probably going to do the same thing. So. <laughs> so, last thing. Nick Nurse, like, I'm calling bullshit on everything Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse absolutely sucks. I mean, if you're a Raptors fan, you got to love Nick Nurse because he does these kind of things. But, he was literally on the court when Jason Tatum passed it. When I first saw Jason Tatum pass that, I was like, oh, does Jason Tatum need glasses? Like, who is he passing? And then they show the replay. Mark Jackson shows Nick Nurse is literally on the court, and then he goes back like he wasn't there. Like, Nick Nurse is Mike Tomlin of the NFL, but Nick Nurse also is Kyle Lowry where he complains after every call, and every time they pan to Nick Nurse, it's him being upset about something, and it is so frustrating. Like, they don't give him – they might have given him a technical last game, but, like, they need the refs need to get these guys in order. Like, if you're gonna complain every time, we're gonna like 
there's going to be consequences because it's so infuriating watching how much the Raptors complain and argue about every single call in. It's just hurts the product so much. All right. So I'll start with uh, overtime Tatum and Brown. Definitely on paper, they had good games and I thought, Jason Tatum played great through the first like three quarters and then he tailed off. He put up 31 points, 16 rebounds. He shot 11 for 30. Uh, he was on fire to start. And I, I, I think him and Tatum both got gassed in overtime and they were trying to do too much. Tatum had some costly overtimes uh, that definitely hurt. Marcus Smart by far was your best player tonight. Triple double, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. I uh, had a steal as well. Hit some big shots. He was three for four from three-point line, uh, made your first nine points. Couldn't make that last three there. It was a tough look. I don't know if he saw Kemba there, but damn, if he did, Kemba had a wide-open three to maybe tie that game. But I'm not going to hold that against him. It was a a tough play there. I was surprised he even got the ball and was able to get a shot off. I I don't even know. It was Obviously, they didn't show the replay, but I don't. Well, they did, but they didn't show it from a different angle. I don't even know if if that was a three. He was very close to the line. Uh, Marcus Smart's last shot there. That being said, they didn't play well. I'm not going to – I don't want to be that person that blames the refs, but they were definitely infuriating. Tony Brothers, like, he is he is the guy when the NBA needs the Celtics to lose. They roll him out, roll him out. He's their, their number one player. Um, the Raptors, six man. Yeah, six man of the game tonight. He gets the, the one-game award for that. But at the end of the game, Kemba doesn't get fouled there. I'm not necessarily – I wasn't up in arms about it because it's a bang-bang play at the end. Um, and I thought about it if that was reversed and Kemba – like, would have Kemba have been fouled, been called for a foul on Van Fleet or um, Kyle Lowry there, I probably would have been bullshit. However, the next play where Tatum gets called on a foul there for similar – so he does a similar thing, comes up from behind, not nearly as aggressive. I forget, was it uh, Pau Gasol or Siakam, who he was covering on the, the alley-oop they tried to call, which ended up being a, a, on the floor, thankfully. Do you remember it who Siakam. it was? Yeah, I think it was, it was Siakam, Siakam, too. Like, came from behind. He didn't knock him over. I think it was Kyle Lowry who knocked Kemba down from the, on the play before and but, got a piece of his hand. Like, how do you not call that, which was more aggressive, and then call it on Tatum there? Um, a lot of ticky tack bullshit. Nick Nurse basically being on the court on that pass. I thought the same thing. How, who is who is Tatum passing it to? And then they show the replay. And Nick Nurse is not like on the court, but he's standing over the corner of it, which I guess kind of is on the court. Like clearly, he he know like as a coach, he knew, he knew what he was doing. He knew one hundred percent what he was doing, and that yeah. sly son of a bitch got away with it, which is so infuriating. Um, they. I really thought they were going to win the game. It was a battle. I give the Raptors a lot of credit because they sucked at the beginning. Um, and they went on a run at the end of the game or in the third quarter, I think a 12 to two run. They ended up going up by six. Um, Marcus all finally hit a three pointer. He was like, Oh, for 11 in the series. Uh, they brought in Ivac off the bench. He hit some big threes as well to bring him back in. And then Kyle Lowry, um, that little prick that he has had a good game too, but Game seven, I didn't think it would go this far. I know we haven't – I know we didn't talk about um, the last three games. I don't know if we really want to get into them. Honestly, I didn't get the chance to watch much of them anyways. Um, saw replays, read articles about it. Didn't expect it to go that way, and I give the Celtics a lot of credit for how they did bounce back. 
in game five. And I, I thought they'd win game six, but go game seven. If the Celtics lose game seven, do you think that they underachieved based off the, the way this series has gone and not knowing how game seven plays out and without Gordon Hayward, do you think they've underachieved? So if I just saw this on paper, not knowing what happened, any context to it, I'd say they didn't underachieve. I'd say seven game series against the defending champs, but knowing the fact that we had them on the ropes in game three, we, they should have won game three. This shouldn't have been, this game, this series should not be going to seven. We should have ended it in five. I would definitely say with context, knowing it would be a disappointment, but I want to bring up one more thing we didn't bring up was whatever NBA goes to replay the call of 99% of the times never getting overturned. And the fact that the Tice foul when uh, I think it might've been Powell that stripped him got overturned is absolutely ridiculous. Like how can you overturn that call in such a close game when you never overturn it? There was not clear video evidence of it. Like if I had to guess, it probably was clean, but the NBA never makes those calls overturns those calls it's way too important of call you want to stick to the call on the court and the fact that they overturned it was absolute bullshit but getting back to your question smitty i do think that it would be a disappointment for the celtics if they lost game seven because we have clearly all the games we won we've blown them out or it's been a clear win every time the raptors have won it's been a close victory besides game four even though game four wasn't that much of a like blowout for the Raptors. So the Celtics clearly are the better team. It's just, they've been playing down to the Raptors and the Raptors, whatever you want to call it, it'd be their championship pedigree or just the veterans being savvy with Nick nurse doing his bullshit. Kyle Lowry doing his bullshit. The Celtics are the more talented team. The Raptors I'll give them are the more savvy team. So Celtics have been in game seven before they were game seven of the Eastern conference finals in 2017 against LeBron and the Cavs. So they've been in this situation before. So there's no excuse of them being too young or too inexperienced in this game seven. And no one's been in a bubble game seven, this big, I guess. So Celtics need to win this game for like this team to be seen as a championship team. Cause if they don't, there could be some changes this off season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, it would be an underachievement the way that they've played. They have this team on the ropes. I don't think it should be going seven games. Um, and they need to finish it out. Now that the Bucks have been eliminated, the Heat are a very good team. I'm not going to keep discrediting them, but I think they're a team that the Celtics could beat. And they have a legit shot to go to the finals. If they're going to lose that, I'd rather them lose in a good series against the Heat, which it will be then, in a series that should have been wrapped up tonight. Um, against the Raptors and um, like I said I don't want to just blame the refs for it I don't think they well they played well in in the eyes of the NBA they officiated well Um, didn't really help the Celtics out tonight but Kemba Walker obviously had a tough game he couldn't buy a basket he was two for 11 one from six from the three-point line he did have seven assists which was good he he, uh, made some good plays in the end there especially in overtime Um, and was able to help with the ball movement from the high point. But, uh, and two of his shots ended up being pretty big shots. He had the, the cardiac shot and I believe the first overtime to tie it, that three-pointer uh, yeah. as well. That was his first make in 
uh, with eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter. But uh, they went into a double overtime game with him going two for 11 uh, with Jalen Brown shooting 11 for 30, Tatum nine for 21. I mean, Tatum put up 29. He had 14 boards, nine assists, nine assists were a career high for him, but six turnovers. And I, there were a couple in key spots towards the end of the game. Um, they were, they were trying to do too much because they were tired. Um, give Daniel Tice a lot of credit. He had 18 points, shot nine for 11, had seven boards. He has uh, Tice caught yeah. every single lob. Yeah, they basically all they were doing at the end was uh, tossing alley-oops. But um, to Tice. Yeah, I, I don't put too much in a plus-minus, but Jason Tatum was a minus five. Daniel Tice was a minus seven. Kemba was a minus seven. Marcus Smart plus three and, and Jalen Brown plus four. So I didn't think they played the most consistent, even though they put up big numbers. It was a double overtime game. Do you give them a lot of credit for playing the minutes that they did? I don't think they came out for a single minute in the first or second overtime. Um, every, each starter besides Tice put up 50 or more minutes. Uh, he put up 47. So hopefully it's not, it wasn't too draining on them. And like I said, nine o'clock on Friday night, uh, they come out, they clean this up and they move on. I agree. And one last point on the Celtics is that Kemba Walker needs to sit up, step up. The fact that he only had two shots, I think going into overtime, I think you said one, only one, one shot. Kemba Walker, you are an all-star you were like voted you were on the all-star starting lineup and the fact you only got one basket going overtime is ridiculous I'm not discrediting him because I think Kemba probably was trying to make sure Jalen and Jason Tatum were getting in a rhythm because I think he probably sees that as being more important but you are in my opinion the leader of this team either you or Marcus Smart are the leader of this team and Marcus Smart played a hell of a game. You can't expect Marcus Smart to play any better. The bench played awesome. I mean, uh, Grant hitting two threes is one that he could ever expect someone that missed his first 25 threes in his career. So everything went well for you besides Kemba Walker, mostly Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in overtime. So the big three of Kemba, Jason, and Jalen need to step up game seven. I think they will. I think they're young legs will recover a lot better than guys like Kyle Lowry in them. But at the same time, I have no idea because I will say Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown looked bad in overtime. Like they defense defensively, they look great. Like Jalen Brown is a great defender. Jason Tatum's a great defender, but offensively they looked like they had no idea what was going on. They just kept driving the basket and getting stripped. So they need to, this is a proven game for both of them if they've arrived, as people like to say. Yeah, and in the third and even fourth quarter, I was waiting for that moment where uh, Jason Tatum was just going to take over, and it didn't happen. It's a game where you need, your, in my opinion, your best player to do that, and he has shown that he's been able to do that at times in the playoffs, but uh, probably their biggest game at this point in the in the playoffs, I mean, they took care of the – uh, six is no problem, but um, want to see him step up in those moments and didn't really feel like he did that. And I don't want to knock him too much because he did have 29 points. But um, like I said, there were key moments where he made bad plays and I didn't see that stretch that he's shown where he can dominate and give them a, a healthy lead. And the goddamn third quarters, every time 
It's the third quarter where they let up the run. It was a 12-2 run that let the Raptors go up by six. I don't know what it is about this team. Um, it's, it's like no matter who is on the Boston Celtics on any given year, they suck in the third quarter. If they have a lead going into half, I'd rather them be losing going into the half than with the lead because if they do, they're just going to blow it in the third quarter. Yeah, so I think we're both optimistic for game seven, but it, it's a must win for this team in the future. And you could preface it saying the bubble changes everything. Like if they're wearing a bubble, the series would be very different. But you could argue that for Toronto as well, saying that Toronto could have not gone down 2-0 when they would have had a home court advantage the first two games. So it'll be a great game seven, and it's going to be a very, very busy long weekend for sports starting today if you're listening to it, and that's how you transition, is football's back. I would be a lot more happy if the Celtics won, but tomorrow I'll be refreshed. I'll be happy to see that a Fox NFL countdown will be on. I'm going to be very excited for Chiefs versus Houston, but we are a Patriots podcast, so we're going to focus on the Patriots. And Smitty, how has this been so long awaiting? Like when the pandemic started in March, like we had nothing to talk about. All we had to talk about really was Tom Brady going to the Bucks if he'd stay, and then. Cam Newton signing like that was the spark of our summer Cam Newton gang sign. So I just want to ask how excited are you that the Patriots have a football game this Sunday? I am excited. Uh, I know it doesn't have the same buzz, but given the circumstances, just very thankful that we've actually got here. Um, they, they've done a good job so far, not allowing, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but not allowing the virus to be a factor. Um, Whatever the teams are doing specifically with the players and mandate with their mandates, I give them a lot of credit and I give the players a lot of credit for being responsible. Haven't really heard any stories about oh, there was a Seahawks player who tried to bring a girl in and he got cut, but like that was pretty much it. So <laughs> when they start traveling, I think that's a whole whole nother factor that's going to potentially make this a bit more complicated. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Regardless, I'm I'm happy. Um, like you mentioned, there wasn't a lot to talk about. We spent a ton of time talking about Tom Brady and how that will play out. Then when Cam Newton got signed and what this team's going to look like, all these different storylines. And I'm just I'm thankful that we're at this point. Um, 24 hours from now, we're going to be watching the, the Texans and Chiefs play. And then on Sunday, we're going to watch Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform uh, start a whole new era of Patriots football. So um, don't know exactly what uh, I kind of do. I think I can predict what this team's going to do, but knowing Bill Belichick, I'll probably be, be so far off. But um, I'm curious to see what approach they take specifically with the offense and um, what they're going to try to do to get this thing going. No, I've heard it all the time from different outlets, and I think it's going to be true that these first few games, especially this one's going to be basically played like a preseason game. I think a lot of players are going to get yeah. a lot of different looks. Just, just Bill just wants to see who can do what. I'm excited to see Nikhil Harry if he's going to step up. I'm obviously very excited to watch Cam. It'll be interesting to see if Sony Michelle steps up because Damian Harris is on the IR. So now Sony Michelle has his chance to take his uh, main running back uh, position back because Damian Harris has looked great in the preseason. So... Best back out of camp, according to the beat writers who were there. 
Exactly. And he's going to be out for a minimum three weeks. And I think it's just going to be three weeks, most people think, if yep. I'm not mistaken. So, At so least he's gonna, three. That, he has to be on the IR for three. I think uh, he'll be good after that, though. I don't think I'll have to miss any more time. That's one of the COVID rules that has changed, that IR for players. You don't have to be out for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So the offense I'm very intrigued in, the defense just as much with guys like Josh Uche. I think it's is that Uche? Yep. His last name? Everyone is pretty high on him from what I've seen. The, obviously, the defensive back, J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty. Just see how the whole defense meshes. Everyone's been uh, pretty high on our front four, if I'm not mistaken. It's just mostly the linebackers people are scared about. So that's why I'm very excited with Josh Uche. Josh Uche. Um, also, the kickers, we still don't know if it's going to be Nick Folk or Justin German last name, Chester. Borwasser. Borwasser, yeah. So that's another storyline. There's a lot of things going on, and I don't know if I'm happy or upset that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't know if I'd rather see him or uh, Tua. I think I'd rather see Tua, so I'm kind of upset it's Fitzpatrick. But it's going to be a good game. And I I think the line is six and a half. And Degenic Grandblush is back, by the way. But I have no idea what this game's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be a close game. I don't know if Patriots are going to blow them out and look amazing. I can't imagine the Dolphins blowing us out. I think that's the one thing that's not going to happen. But this it's going to be so weird from not having any preseason games to just watching the regular season. It's going to be a little weird at first. I think the offense will be moving very slowly. Like you said, they're going to be trying a lot of different things. There'll be a lot of rotations, but it's going to take them more time to get into a rhythm. I think this team's going to be heavy run to start, at least for the first month of the season, but especially on Sunday. Um, and hopefully if they establish a run game, as always, they try to open up the passing game. So we'll see if they're able to do that. And I know you mentioned Nikhil Harry. Um, I I think unlike Tom Brady uh, was able to, I think Cam Newton has established a good relationship with Nikhil Harry, a big, big body receiver. That's his bread and butter. So uh, maybe Nikhil Harry will actually be the red zone threat that they expected him to be when they drafted him. But um, excited to see what he's got, if he's healthy, uh, if that helps open up things for Julian Edelman too. And then Sony Michelle, as a lead back, and now they have a healthy offensive line. He can run behind a fullback. He's got a real fullback this year. We'll see if he can be mm-hmm. the running back he was two years ago. The defense, I'm excited. Uh, for the rookies, Asiasi, Dalton Keen. I'm really excited to see Asiasi. I think he's going to be a huge bright spot for this team. Uh, he had 68 targets in, in his senior year last year. And I actually, honestly, I don't know if he was even a senior or not. I think he was. But he only had one drop. Uh, he's going to be a very reliable piece in this offense and Dalton Keene's going to be a jackhammer. So, um, ex- you know, we'll see what, what McDaniels does with him and the different roles that he's going to be playing. And then the rookies on the defense, you mentioned Josh Uche, him and Chase Winovich were both uh, teammates at Michigan, both pass rushers. So I know that um, there's been reports that between him and Anthony Jennings are going to essentially kind of throw a lot of shit at the wall and see what sticks with them. Josh Uche was primarily a pass rusher, so I wonder if they've been trying to work on him uh, in coverage at all. Anthony Jennings is more of an outside linebacker traditional role who can actually play in coverage at times too. So um, they're taking on big roles. 
Uche is replacing Jamie Collins, uh, Anthony Jennings, Kyle Van Noy. So uh, how well will they fit into the defense? And then the secondary is going to be the best part uh, of this team between McCourty, J.C. Jackson, obviously Gilmore. Um, but then Kyle Duggar, who they drafted, I want to see how much he's going to be playing, probably filling in for a role um, that Patrick Chung will, would have been playing if he was on this team. So um, I, I think the Patriots – I don't want to say I know. I'm very confident that the Patriots are going to win. It's going to be a slow-moving game, especially at first. Um, do we want to give our predictions right now? Yeah, I'll go first. I think it's going to be a very uh, – I think it's going to be a lot of turnovers in this game. I think that's going to be like all over the NFL. I think everyone's going to be really rusty on offense. I think around the league it's going to be low-scoring game, and I don't think this game's going to be any different. I'm going to go Patriots 21, Dolphins, we'll say 17. Okay. I'm a bit of a more spread for me. I'm, I'm taking the Pats 24-14. Uh, like I said, very slow at the beginning. And um, I think the Patriots will be able to actually establish some consistency. The Dolphins have improved their defense and um, – plucked a few players from the Patriots as well. But I, I still think on paper, the Patriots are a better team. Brian Flores is a great coach. What I love about him is he has taken on a head coaching position and not tried to be Bill Belichick. He's tried to be his own guy. And I think he is building something very special in Miami. Everyone's talking about the Bills because they're closer. But Miami, they just drafted Tua. I know you mentioned him. I think it's smart not to play him, let him get healthy. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins will be a, a serious contender. And if they know it for confidence, he will be healthy at some point, then you roll him out or roll with Fitzpatrick for right now. They have a ton of draft capital. Um, if he keeps, you know, if, if they keep going on this path, they're building something very special. They're going to be legit in the next few years. So, uh, but I, I still think that Bill Belichick is in a better position to uh, coach up a team and, and be better prepared given the circumstances. And, uh, it's just the lack of experience at, at the head coaching position for Brian Flores. But uh, I, I think they, they'll end up being one of the teams that does surprise uh, when we get to the end of the year, if we even make it. Good point, if we even make it. But so that raises a quick question I want to ask you, Smitty. So out of all the Bill Belichick protégés that are current NFL head coaches, so we've got Joe Judge, who appears to be the ultimate football guy in New York. you got Matt Patricia, whose boat is fastly sinking. Everyone thinks he's out after this year. Bill O'Brien, Texans. We know the Bill O'Brien story that he just despises Deshaun Watson for some reason and loves making shitty trades. And Brian Flores, who seems to be doing good things down there. Out of those four coaches, who do you think has the greatest chance for long-term success? Because Bill Belichick protégés that have become head coaches – have been widely known to fail. I think Bill O'Brien's probably the most successful one, and successful is 50-50 because he has had a great roster around him. He has done nothing with it. So out of those four, who do you think long-term is going to be the most successful head coach? If I'm an owner or GM, I'm, I'm starting a team tomorrow. Brian Flores is my head coach. I would put it in order for you, honestly. Brian Flores um, – I guess Bill O'Brien, <laughs> Joe Judge, just because I think he's building a, a good culture and the team loves him in, in New York so far. And then Matt Patricia, like I've been saying, 
I love Matt Patricia. He's a great defensive coach. Uh, so good that Bill Belichick hasn't named the defensive coordinator since he left because when Matt Patricia gets fired after this year, he's coming back here to be the defensive <laughs> Phil's coordinator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Brian Flores, he took on a head coaching position for a team that wanted to tank. Tank for Tua. Ironically, they actually didn't end up getting him. Uh, didn't need the first round overall pick to get it. But they weren't good on paper. They had good players who didn't want to be there. He said, fuck you, traded them. He kept the guys who wanted to be there. He's drafted guys. Um, Bill Belichick, you mentioned it, like he, he said today, um, it's like drafting the guys that are fitting his culture, guys that they that the Patriots evaluated because they probably also fit their culture, and Brian Flores sees that too. So I think he's got the right mentality. Like I said, he's his own guy. Um, Josh McDaniels tried to be like Bill Belichick, didn't work. I think Matt mm-hmm. Patricia's done that. There's stories come out about him just being a dickhead to people from the start. It hasn't worked. Um, they, they've been the Detroit Lions that we've known since we were born. Like, they haven't changed in 30-plus years. Um, Bill O'Brien, he's had talent, and he hasn't been able to manage it well, and they've been largely underachieving. So, um, like I said, Dolphins are going to be a force to reckon with if uh, they keep going on this path. Yeah, I agree. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be nice to have football back. I think some stadiums are gonna have fans. Like I think if you're listening to this today, Thursday night football, I think the Chiefs are allowed to have thirteen thousand fans. So they'll have some people in there if I'm not mistaken. But I'm excited and if we wanna move on, we're gonna give our as we promised last week, our uh, Patriots record predictions and instead of going game by game which could be boring we're just going to give you the games that we think the Patriots are going to lose because I think we both have the Patriots having a winning record if I'm I I have the Patriots having a winning record if you do too so I do too yeah so do you want me to give the losses we're going to have this year or do you want to you go for it I'll give mine after I I think ours are very similar so all right so I'll give a few uh key games that I have them winning so I think they're going to beat the Seahawks week two because the Seahawks are going to have any fans in the crowd. I think for some reason, I just don't trust Pete Carroll in this kind of situation. I know uh, reason why I believe that. I just don't think so. I think we're going to, sadly, I think we're going to lose to the Chiefs. I think the Patriots are going to start 3-0 and lose to the Chiefs. And then we'll lose to 49ers. We're going to lose to the Bills once. We're going to probably lose to the Ravens. But after that, I don't see many other losses. I don't want to say the Patriots are going 12-4 because I think that's 12-4 and right there. But I can easily see the Patriots going 10-6. and I don't think the Chargers are very good. We're both on the same page. I don't think the Rams are very good. Someone said they had a great offensive weapon. So I'm like, where? You have who? Who? You have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Not your quarterback. Not your quarterback, even though I think he's okay. But uh, <laughs> the running backs aren't very good. You traded Todd Gurley. Your defense, you just signed Jalen Ramsey, so he's going to step up. I don't see the Rams being that good. And plus, there's may or may not be fans in there. I think we can handle the Cardinals. Texans is going to be a close game. I don't know what's going to happen, but I see the Patriots going 10-6 and getting a division crown. Top four seed. I have met... I'm at 11 and five. I still think they win the division too. 
Bills have a great roster. Josh Allen has a cannon, but he might as well be blind. He has no accuracy. Good I do point. think they may lose. I do think they may lose a game to them. I actually do pick them losing a game, going in order, uh, losing a game to the Bills. But going in order, losses. Seahawks tough game. Second week, the offense is going to be struggling, and the Seahawks have a good defense. I, I don't see them being able to do much, and I think they're going to lose week two. Chiefs game four. Um, Chiefs are stacked. They're the team to beat. I don't think the Patriots are going to. I, I honestly, it may be stupid of me to say, but um, going down the line, like if the Pats can really get something going here, I trust Bill Belichick. I trust Josh McDaniels. So playoff game, if we get there, maybe it's different. But right now, week four, I don't see them winning that game. Um, I'm also predicting them to lose to the 49ers at home. The 49ers have a great defense, and the strength of it is their front seven. Um, so the, I, at the beginning, like I said, uh, the strength, and I put it in air quotations, uh, of the Patriots offense will be their running game to start. The 49ers trade a few pieces away, but I still think that their strength is their front seven and they still have a good secondary. So they, I think the offense is good. That's probably going to be like their worst offensive game. Potentially. I don't think they're going to be able to win that. And then Ravens taking the L for the Pats on that one too. Uh, and then I also think I jumped ahead, but they're losing that game in Buffalo as well. So 11 and five, I'll hi highlight some good games that I think can go either way, but I'm taking the Pats Broncos. They're going to be one of the teams that are going to surprise uh, a lot of people this year. I know they just lost Vaughn Miller, but Jerry Judy, I, I'm excited for him. Drew Locke is going to be a stud. He may, you know, he may not explode this year, but I think he's going to show a lot of promise. They still do have a good defense Texans. I'm taking the Pats because um, honestly, I'm putting a lot of stock into them losing DeAndre Hopkins, but and I know that they they got David Johnson back. We'll see what he has. They signed Brandon Cooks. I mean, if he has one more concussion, he may not he may not know where like he may not even know where he is ever again. He may just be brain dead, and uh, we'll we'll see about. <laughs> but that's going to be a close game, and then Cardinals may may end up being a surprise. Uh, that may end up being a good game, but I'm taking the Pats in that one too. Chargers. I don't know. I, I don't think uh, Herbert's anything special. So they have talent. They lost Derwin James, but I still think they're going to suck this year. Well, I think Tyra Taylor's probably going to start most of the year. And I've heard uh, only not great things about Herbert. I've heard even worse things about uh, who, Jordan Love. So maybe it was a good thing we didn't yeah. draft Jordan Love. Like both those guys have been bad out of camp. Um. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting season to see how coaches have handled this. Again, if you're going to trust any coach to handle a pandemic season, it's going to be Bill Belichick, I have to assume. And it'll be interesting to see how the home crowd not having fans affects teams' home winning record. So that, that's why I have faith in the Patriots beating the Seahawks, just because I think that crowd noise, especially with the team that's just kind of meshing together, not having that, being able to communicate and talk is going to help the Patriots a lot. And I just don't tr – I think the Patriots match up really well against the Seahawks where the, pa the Seahawks have a better secondary than front seven, I would say, especially with them signing Jamal Adams. And – the only way you don't match up well is because the Seahawks have a really good running game and our run defense without high towers can be very iffy. But a lot of like 
guys like Colin Cowherd and uh, like Skip Bayless, they have the Patriots only getting like five or six wins, and I can't see that being possible. I can't see Bill Belichick being 68 years old just throwing away a season. Like he only has so many more seasons to coach. And even though there's been rumors of Bill Belichick leaving after this year, which I don't give any validity. No, I think that's all bullshit. After yeah. all this with him and Brady, and now that Brady's gone, he's just going to leave when he's yeah. in the best position possible. Like, Robert Kraft will give him everything. He chose Bill Belichick over Brady. Now Belichick's going to leave. Exactly. And that's why I don't really give validity. I just had to make that, like, a side point because people have talked yeah. about it. But I can't see Belichick trying to throw away a season and trying to tank for Trevor and – I He's do coming think for Don Shula's dead ass. He wants that record. Ex- exactly. He wants. He doesn't that care record. that he just died. He wants that record. <laughs> yeah, Bill Belichick. You know, he, he's mad at himself that he didn't get it while Don Shula was alive. Yeah, he's he's kicking on Don Shula's grave the fact that he's not alive for him to see Bill Belichick break his record, which he will in the coming years. So he's not going to take a losing record. I think since this is a crazy season. I, I think Cam's going to have a good season. Cam has so much, so much. He's looked uh, good. I'm not going to say he's looked amazing from what people said, but I don't think anyone can really look amazing in camp. I don't think any quarterbacks have been saying, this guy is here. So I think the Patriots are going to be good. Obviously, it's going to be weird seeing Cam Newton understand not Tom Brady. And it's going to be even weirder seeing Brady in – uh, orange and red or whatever colors they are. And we're probably going to see most of the games because... Pewter red, I think it is. Yeah. The, not, I mean, the t- Patriots and Bucks aren't in the same time slot until like week 15, so I'm sure we'll get every Bucks it's game. It's only, only two games. Only two games. Uh, two weeks, I should say, where they play at the same time. So I give the, give the NFL credit for that because I'm definitely going to be watching those games. Yeah, so... It's going to be a weird season, but this offseason has been madness, and I'm happy that we are finally going to get to see the story of the NFL be told. So I'm excited. If you have nothing else to say, Smitty, we can get to our final segment, which we've been long anticipating to do. One thing real quick I forgot to mention. Uh, another thing I'm excited to see is Juwan Bentley, named the captain, taking over. Uh, wearing the green dot as uh, the play caller for the defense, taking Dante Hightower's role. Um, so I, kn- I know we like to shit on Felger and Maz, but they were they were talking about him, like, why is he a captain? I saw that, uh, yeah. I, I think he he's going to be a stud on this defense. He hasn't always been able to be on the field, but when he has, he's shown a lot of promise. I think they're putting a lot of faith in him. And uh, losing Dante Hightower, the, the linebackers weren't that great to begin with, and then they lost Van Noy and Jamie Collins in the offseason to free agency. But I think he's going to um, give a bit of a sigh of relief for losing those three core players, especially Donta Hightower. Yeah. And the, where I saw Belichick leaving was on Felger Maz. And on Felger Maz, they instantly assumed once he says, like, there's something here. Belichick's out. And, like, they're all jumping to that conclusion, which is probably why they get so much views because people like seeing them jump to conclusions like that. They, they know – they were saying that they think Belichick's out because they know that's not true. They have, they always, they are the ones who've hyped up the Belichick Brady bullshit. Uh, the triple B Belichick Brady bullshit. I'm making <laughs> that a thing now. Um, they know that crap. They've even said it, that Kraft chose Belichick. If he wanted Brady to be here, he would have stepped in, which would have pissed off bill and bill would have been like, fuck this. And I'm 
I'm looking to get out of here now. Um, I just don't see, I don't see him doing that now that he won after 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I think where's he going to go? If he, where's he going to go? That's going to give him a better chance to win. Like what spot will open up and who knows whatever happens with teams, but which team out there would be a better option for him and had give him as much. I mean, everyone would give him as much flexibility, but I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I don't either. And I mean, Bill loves his Nantucket house. I mean, I think he's comfortable where he's at and like he has a new, like he's reinvigorated the fact that it's new challenges, new quarterback, new everything. He has a new brush breath of fresh air and whatever beef that Brady and Belichick had, it's now over and they can start anew. And if the media portrayals true, they both want something to prove. Belichick's going to want to prove it in New England instead of jumping ship and moving somewhere else. He did a Subway commercial. When would Bill Belichick ever do any advertisement? Yeah, he's... he's He won. Now he's doing whatever he wants. He's not going anywhere. Exactly. He's chill Bill now. He's just, you know, praising Cam and having a good time. So we've been very uh, highly anticipating this final segment. It is back. It is Degenerate Gamblers. And we're coming out with some fire takes. But, Smitty, we have a sponsor for Degenerate Gamblers, if I'm not mistaken, don't we? We do, and it's Thrive Fantasy. I'm sure if you have been listening, you've heard the ads at the beginning. Uh, But Thrive Fantasy is our first official sponsor for Degenerate Gamblers. So uh, just to give a quick rundown, if you haven't used it or you still don't know how it works, uh, think of it like DraftKings, but instead of picking players, they have pre-selected players and over/under. So, say for tonight, it would have been for, uh, and it, it's for NBA, NFL, NHL, PGA, even esports. Um, say for the NBA tonight, they would have had Marcus Smart over/under uh, steals at say at like one and a half. Jason Tatum over/under 25 points, and you pick the over/under. So you pick; they'll have that preset picks for a certain amount of players you pick five of them the over under is a prop bet for whichever players you want to pick then you pick an ice pick in case um you know player ends up not playing or anything like that and it can be worth double points as well uh you pick that you enter a tournament and if you get the most points you win the pot um they have them ranging from a dollar two dollars five ten twenty up to fifteen a hundred they even have free games as well um esports i don't follow it I don't know anything about it, but they have free tournaments. I bet those because it's a chance to win free money, and it's something that is definitely growing you could look into. So uh, use promo code NEXT1POD when you sign up, and you get a $20 with a $20 deposit. and That's free 20 bucks to go and, and try it out there. So I definitely recommend it. I've been using it. I love it. It's a ton of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that uh, – I've been using it for the NBA playoffs and it's perfect time. And now the NFL is starting and can keep the trend going. So give it a shot again. It's promo code next one pod. Yeah. I've been so excited to do some profits for NFL because betting NFL is as American as it gets, but want it all the over-unders, <laughs> the spreads, the, the prop bets. Like it, it's now I have the full package. I, I've, I've been doing pick I've been betting on, online on another platform now i have thrive fantasy to bet the prop bets i i'm and anything else like any other possible random things that'll come up i'll do it. and this is just another one that i'm happy to be a part of exactly so download thrive sports i know so many of you guys are 
gambling uh, fanatics, and this is a great site to do it on. It's strictly prop bets, and I know a lot of you guys are fans of prop bets. This is a prop bet app, so go download it. Next, the next one pod, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and do it. It's fun. So here we go, degenerate gamblers. Uh, we're gonna get some picks going, and so we decided since Zach is away, he's uh doing his studies that in our group chat we made our picks prior. So, Smitty, do you want to go pick yours first, or do you want me to pick mine, or should we announce Zach's picks first? I'll I'll do mine first. Sweet. Do you want me to read? Just go on my first three. Yeah. My, yeah. My only so three. we we did right, the so. same draft style, but only in group chat. Mm-hmm. So first pick, I had to do it. I took the Seattle Seahawks minus one and a half over the Atlanta Falcons. I'm about it this year. They're going down. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they can do. They chose to keep Dan Quinn, but Seahawks are a good team, and, and I'm taking them uh, minus one and a half against Atlanta. Can you quote Second what you team. said in our group chat uh, for your reasoning for choosing Seattle? Oh, fuck Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. That's all, <laughs> all I got to say, really. <laughs> My second pick is the Carolina Panthers, uh, plus two underdogs against the Las Vegas Raiders. Carolina's, uh, I, I think they're going to be, they will show a lot of promise. One of those teams that may surprise people, Teddy Bridgewater is their quarterback, Matt Rule, first year head coach. Vegas, John Gruden, I'm over it. Uh, it was cool that he came back. They haven't done anything. Who is their quarterback? Is it going to be Derek Carr to start? I'm pretty pretty sure it is. Uh, if it doesn't work out, they have Marcus Mariota. So, uh, but but I think they're going to be a dumpster fire this year. And John Gruden, it could be his last year in the in the NFL again. So, we'll see how they play out. And then my last pick, I am taking the Dallas Cowboys favored by two and a half over the LA Rams. As we mentioned, I think LA is going to struggle this year. They do have a good defense. Jalen Ramsey, best corner and second best cornerback in the league. Uh, Aaron Donald is uh, one of the best defensive players in the league as well, but their offense is a hot mess. Their team overall, 23% of their cap is going to players not on their team. Um, I think they're a similar Patriots team, like concept, good defense. A lot of questions on offense, not as much talent though. And, and the coaching isn't there. So uh, Dallas is going to be a team that pops this year as uh, what's his name would say, Mel Kuyper uh, with the new head coach here, Mike McCarthy. He's, as I said in our group chat, he's going to let Dak Prescott be a peacock. He's going to let that son of a bitch fly. <laughs> they have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball and I'm excited to see what he does. All right, so to give my picks, I got Green Bay plus two and a half against Minnesota. I don't trust Kirk Cousins, especially with no fans. I trust Aaron Rodgers. I picked the Green Bay money line, honestly. I don't think Franklin's going to win that game. Uh, my next pick is Detroit. I'm trying to find out who they played. I made the pick earlier. They play the Chicago Bears, and everyone on Twitter is saying Mitch Trubisky's back. I don't know how serious that is. I think Detroit. Last year before Matthew Stafford got hurt, were a 500 or a little above 500 team. I don't think the Bears are very good. Detroit minus three at home. I think that's easy money. And finally, I have Tampa Bay going to New Orleans. That's going to be a very highly anticipated matchup. At New Orleans, 
They are plus three and a half underdogs. I also think I would bet that money line outright win. Now, since the Saints have the chemistry, a lot of people are probably going to Saints, but I just think the Bucks are going to be so hyped up. I think Tampa has a lot of plays under the sleeves. I think Gronk is going to be ready to go out there, hit some bodies, and I think Tampa is at least going to cover plus three and a half. So I think they'll definitely cover too. If Mike Evans doesn't play, it may be a bit more difficult to win, but they have so much talent on offense. So much talent. And it's, be that, in- that, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it would be interesting to see how much Leonard Fournette plays and how much of he's a factor. And if he can play with a good offense line, if he's actually good. Yeah, 430 game, 425 start. I think that could be a uh, potential game of the week matchup, potentially the, the best game that we see on Sunday. So we also have Zach's picks. Here they are. And if Zach didn't talk, that's because he didn't send audio. And I'm going to say Zach's <laughs> picks. And if he doesn't say it, it'll be deleted. Uh, so I. He's automatically 0 3 to start if he doesn't. I, I agree with that sentiment, Zach. If you're listening, which you should be, but you probably aren't. But you're 0 3 right now. But Zach's got Eagles minus 6.5. He's got Cardinals plus 6.5. And, and he has. I can't find his last pick, or that was his last pick. I think I went over. He has Denver minus one and a half. So he's got some good picks going. I, I like the Denver pick. I think he's very confident. That was his first overall pick. Who are they playing again? They are playing the Titans. In I know he's been on record saying the Titans are overrated because they went to the AFC Championship game, and they might have some AFC Championship game hangover. And it's at Denver. And in Denver the last two days, it snowed about a foot, and it's supposed to be 80 yeah. on Sunday. So Denver is just a complete chaos, uh, in state of complete chaos right now. But unless that gave our audio, I think that wraps up the show. I don't have uh, anything else to say. I'm a little, still a little pissed off about the Celtics. It was nice to be able to podcast and vent right after the game, but. Um, we're going to wrap it up with our, our walk-off take of the day. Smitty, what you got? Nothing special. Uh, like I said, I'm really happy for football to be back. I'm, I, honestly, if you, if you ask me to bet my life on it, will they finish a season? I'd probably say no. Uh, if they have to end up canceling games, it's going to make things difficult, but who knows how things play out over the next 17 weeks. Regardless, I'm happy it's here. Uh, I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. Not including the Red Sox in this because I do not identify them as a a Boston team at the moment. So I'm hoping That's that when we, I, I'm hoping that when we record again, uh, Boston went two and zero over the weekend. Celtics get that W, Game Seven W on Friday, and the Pats get their first W of the season. Get start off on the right foot on Sunday. And my walk off take is relating to the Celtics game as well, but the NBA needs to get a hold of. And this includes the Celtics. I don't take them out of this. How much NBA players flop from Harden, LeBron, Marcus Smart, Kyle Lowry, Patrick Beverly. Like, there's way too much flopping, and refs fall for it way too much. And when there's an actual hit in the face or something, refs don't call because they think it's a flop. The NBA needs to get a hold of the flopping situation. It is out of control. And... It makes it 
I'll give the refs credit. It makes it tough for the refs because if you only see it out of the corner of your eye and you see a guy on the ground cr- crying in pain, like Kyle Lowry, but he flopped, it's a bang-bang call. You don't know what to do. Sometimes you're just going to call it because you're giving the player the benefit of the doubt. So the NBA has a flopping problem. It makes the product a lot more difficult to watch. They got to do the, these little ticky-tack fines. Players get, they don't care. They make millions of dollars a year. $5,000 is not keeping them up at night. They can do it every game and still make millions of dollars. So the NBA needs to do something to stop this. The complaining in the NBA is just ridiculous. Like the NFL does it a lot too, but they don't have the flopping problem as well. The players just complain on every call combined with the flopping hurts the product so much and something needs to be done about that. Yeah, one last point there. It also makes it easier for the refs to make the bad calls when they're blatantly trying to throw a game like they were tonight. It's, maybe that's why they don't give rid of the flops because it gives them their uh, it helps them way out. out why they're uh, like staging these games, essentially just giving it to Toronto because they want the game seven. But if I'm the NBA business-wise, I got to assume you want the Celtics to win game seven because I don't think you want a Canada team with no Kawhi Leonard being in your Eastern Conference Finals ratings-wise. So... I can see why they want to push it a game seven just for the ratings. I think that'll be a huge ratings, especially because it's going to be on a Friday night, I think. Yeah, for, Friday, Friday, nine night. o'clock. So it's prime time. It's probably going to be their biggest rating of this bubble, I can assume. So uh, NBA, please don't fix this game. Let it be. Celtics are the more talented team. Don't fall for Kyle Lowry's bullshit and – I guess let the better team win without the refs getting involved. But, Smitty, if you have nothing else to say, I got nothing else. This wraps up the show. And this has been the 48th edition of the Next One Podcast. A bittersweet episode, but we are hopeful with football back. And Celtics, Friday night, 9 o'clock. Tune in. And for the 48th podcast, 48th. 48th episode of the next one podcast. I'm Ron Collingworth, Brendan Smith. And until the next one, thank you for listening. And please, Boston Sports Go 2 0, please make this a good September. Or I'm going to be start singing Wake Me Up When September Ends by Green Day. Please, please, please. Fuck Tony Brothers. Go Pats. Fuck Mark Davis. And Scott Foster. <laughs> And uh, Jerome Booker, even though this, uh, he's an NFL ref. And Kyle Van Noy was saying that the Patriots talk shit the last few years when he talked the most shit the last four years he was on the team. Yeah. Coming for oh. that ass Sunday. Fuck you, Kyle. <laughs>